The information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is not to be taken as financial or personal advice. It does not consider your objectives, financial situation or needs. You should consider whether this information is suitable for you and your personal circumstances before acting on it. Hi, and welcome to The Home Run, your guide to buying your first home in Australia. On this show, I'll walk you through the home buying process from every angle. We cover steps to take, the pitfalls to avoid, and the answers to all your questions you've been dying to ask. No matter what stage you're at, you'll learn everything you need to know about buying your first home. I'm your host, Michael Nasser, and I'm a mortgage broker at Lens Street, and I really love helping people buy their first home. We're doing something a little bit different today. We talk to a lot of experts in the property world, but in this episode, we'll hear from somebody who has recently been in your position, preparing to buy their first home. Today, we're chatting with Fletcher Austin. Fletcher bought his home in Darwin in late 2020. Instead of buying a pre-existing home, he brought a block of land and built his own. In this episode, Fletcher will take you along his property journey. He'll explain the benefits of building your own home, how timely government incentives sped up his timeline, and why more people should consider living in regional areas. Let's jump in. First and foremost, welcome to the show, Fletcher. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you being on. And I guess secondly, congratulations on buying your first home. Yeah, and you're here to share that story. So let's get into it. When and where did you buy your home? So I purchased my first home and built my first home in Darwin in the Northern Territory. In I would say I started the build in late 2020 during the midst of COVID and finished it mid-2021. What kind of property is it? So I have a semi-rural property. It's in the rural area, but it's in, on a, what we, you would say is an urban block. It's a smaller block of land, 980 square metres with a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house and a double garage. And are you living in the property or was it, was it built as an investment property? I built it for me to live in during uh, COVID times and just because I love the territory so much. And have you always been in the Northern Territory? I mean, there's an accent there, I sense. So how did you end up in the Northern Territory? I'm actually born and raised in the Northern Territory, born and raised in Darwin. Uh, spent little bits of time all over, but uh, Darwin has been home forever. So that was an easy choice, I guess. And when it came to figuring out where you were going to set up, that's where you've always been. I think COVID definitely influenced me building or buying in Darwin, just a security point of view with the world being in the midst of COVID and, you know, things opening and closing and relocating and jobs and things like that. It was really around the security. I had all my relationships here and connections to the territory. Relocating or or building somewhere else meant that I didn't have access potentially to it because, you know, even the check on progression of builds, if it was an investment home in another state, I could go and check on it and then not get home. And apparently you need to have a job in order to uh, to fund these very expensive houses. That's a pretty important point. So uh, awesomely for you, uh, this is, you know, you're only 23. So you bought your house at 23. It's quite young. How did you achieve it? Was it something that you, I guess, were systematic about from an earlier age or did it just happen by chance? Or, I mean, generally it doesn't. So I would assume if that was, I'd be surprised if that was the case. But tell us about how you got to owning your own home at such a young age. Yeah, it was actually sort of a little bit by chance and a little bit planned. 
So I had started to, I'll say, settle down at the sprightly age of 20 and, you know, start putting away a little bit of money towards a deposit to buy an existing home and, you know, slowly chipping away at that, had a little bit of a deposit there. And then when COVID happened, there was a lot of government stimulus that became available from the Northern Territory government and from the Commonwealth government for people, first time owners that were looking to build, which meant that my deposit meant that I actually could afford to build. And what advice did you get on this journey? Like, did you have someone that you were able to at least guide you or and if there was, and who was it and how do they advise or guide you? Outside of my family and close friends that, you know, had purchased homes and stuff in the past, I went to a mortgage broker and just said, hey, what are my options? What's my borrowing capacity? So I can actually look because there's no point in looking at a, you know, $3.9 million house when you can't afford it. One can dream, but if you don't even know what your budget is, it's a bit hard to look. So from there, they were able to sort of say what my capacity was. And then when COVID came up and the stimulus packages became available, I said, well, these are available. Am I eligible? Does that change my situation? And it did for the the positive. So would it be fair to say that the beginning of it all, you didn't have an intention to buy a property, but not what type of property it was. The fact that you've gone to build a, or to buy a house, you know, block of land and, and develop a house on it. Was that the intention from the beginning or was it more when you conferred with the mortgage broker and they basically, as part of their process, advised you to your borrowing capacity, then subsidies came in due to COVID and then it didn't make the house and land package, I guess, a, a more appealing one than say buying something existing? Or did you always have it in your mind that you were going to find a block of land and build a house? So it was actually just because of the limitations of the stimulus packages. They were definitely around boosting up the construction industry and making sure that we were able to maintain people in jobs. And so, yeah, it was, it was just around the fact that, you know, like there was the Northern Territory government one was a build bonus. If you laid your slab, then you got given money from them. And then the same from the Commonwealth government is they, it was around building to keep people in jobs opposed to just everyone selling and buying. So I was originally just looking at buying an existing home. And I think what's key about that is the fact that you've basically pivoted the strategy to meet your needs in one way, but also to then avail the incentives that will assist you in getting something a little bit more than you otherwise would have and what you've ended up with compared to what you might have ended up with if you didn't take up those incentives. So I think that's um, that dynamic thinking and that dynamic way of approaching it, I think enables yourself and potentially other people that are in a similar situation to make the most of whatever it is that's on offer at the time. And that's exactly it. And the advice that I got from friends and family as well as, you know, because of when I was looking to purchase and then ended up building was, this is not necessarily my forever home. This is a stepping stone to potentially something greater or, you know, down the line being able to move and things like that. So I love the area that I'm in and it's really turned out as a positive, but there is also that opportunity that because I was dynamic that I can, this is where I started and I could end up somewhere else. Did you buy it all as a house and land package or did you find a block of land and then find a builder after the fact? Well, it was actually a little bit sneaky. I uh, was looking at a certain house that I really wanted through one builder and said, I really want this house. I really like it. And then can you find the land to put it on? We had a few developments. I would call, you know, the urban developments a lot smaller, property sizes, they ended up being able to find me the larger block, but due to their schedule for building, I kind of went, well, I want to build my house sooner rather than later. 
Um, also had to do with some of that funding being available from the government. So I found another builder that was, and an, another beautiful house and I was able to contact the developer directly to source the land and then put the house on it. So it kind of worked out. Everyone helped me. <laughs> no, one, no one was too upset about it. You found a property that you actually liked. Was it on the market or was it in a display area or where was that house and you contacted the builder and then you found the developer that way and then they found the block for you? Did I get that right? I was talking to the builder and they found the block because I said I would like a larger block if possible. They found the block, but due to their own scheduling, I wasn't able to build in the time that I needed to. So it was open market. They just found it for me. So then I was able to contact the developer that had the block for sale and then put the house that I've got on it now through a different builder on it. I guess now having done that process, what do you see as the benefits of building your property? And on top of that, did you make some special additions to the building that was built? I think the biggest benefit to building and if people have the opportunity to build their own home is the fact that they can make small changes or have at least some influence on what the house might look like. Like you're choosing from a plan and you go, I really like this layout, I don't like this layout or the finishings and stuff like that. So for myself, the structure of my house, I, I went, oh, I really like symmetry. I want these two rooms on this side of the house to be the same size. And so they moved the what would have been two equal rooms together and made the smaller room, which is was on one side of the house to the other side of the house, which then ultimately made the master bedroom larger with that small change where I still ended up with the same amount of space, but it's just worked in my favor. Some of the other things is, you know, like I'm quite tall, I'm six foot four, and I was able to be like, hey, I want my benches to be a little bit taller than normal. It's probably one of my biggest talking points in my house when people come over. Like Even the, the people that are a little bit shorter than me go, oh, it's great because it's at level. But by doing that as well, it, it actually increased the amount of storage I have under my benches. Yeah, I guess that, that ability to make those little customizations can definitely be a benefit so that, you know, it's a little bit more customized to you and your needs, you know, as opposed to just buying something that's already built and you obviously can accept it as it is for most of the time or do renovations at that particular point. So can totally see that. On the flip side, I'm sure that there were a couple of challenges that you faced during the build process. Generally, it's not all roses and perfume. So what challenges did you face and how did you overcome them? If you can pick a few out for us. Some of the challenges for me was around the stipulations within the funding, around when things had to be done, how the money was released uh, was one of the biggest ones. And just fighting seasonal changes. So in the Northern Territory where I am, we basically have two seasons. We have the wet season where it rains lots and we have the dry season where it doesn't rain at all. And I started the process to build at the start of the wet season. So, you know, allowing for the slab to dry and cure and, you know, concreting and stuff like that. Plus, you know, supply issues where the roads get flooded like our main highways and, and things like that. And just accessibility and also you know going into things like Christmas and New Year I had limitations but for me ultimately the build is as much as I had ideas on extras I wanted or things I wanted to do I did have to to pull myself back down to earth a couple of times and be like look you know what that's something I can do later maybe we don't need to do that and really went back to well what do I want 
if I had to live in this for the next two years and not do any renovations or upgrades or anything, what do I really, really want and what do I not need right now? And yeah, so it was balancing out that as well. And I guess if you were to go back now to the beginning of it all, would there be anything you change in terms of uh, about that construction phase and that process? Would be there anything that you do different? I definitely, Wallace, I love every aspect of my house. If it was one brick wider and one brick deeper and in my garage, one brick wider, one brick deeper and one brick taller, it'd be really, really ideal. Just people really misunderstand how big a brick actually is. Like I'm like, oh, that's like, that's a huge amount of space when you start to think about it. During the construction phase is just, yeah, I was fortunate that I lived nearby as well at the time and was able to come and check on the property a lot. So every couple of days I was able to do a drive-by. So I was fairly well in contact with my builders the whole time. So there's not a whole lot to change. I said to them, I hope I'm not annoying you. I'll give you a ring every couple of weeks and just if there's anything that needs you need help with, which is also something some builders appreciate. You know, I was able to assist with, you know, instead of them spending a day or two clearing the lot, I was like, oh, I can do that. And I just did it myself. So you can save bits of money and stuff like that. And some builders are willing and some are not willing. And again, not to go too far down the path there, but it depends on the flexibility of the builder and perhaps, I don't know, maybe like insurances and things like that you'd need to be mindful of as well. So, I mean, like I know, so we're we're Sydney-based and I could imagine that if we were to try and propose that to a builder here, they might be like, well, hold on, if something happens to you, who's going to be liable and things like that. So I guess things like that definitely have to be discussed and negotiated with the builder before it's done. But there are two things that you pointed out there along that your explanation, which I wanted to, to highlight, which was, especially when you're building, like figuring out what's important, because ultimately when you're building, effectively, it's like a blank canvas. So you can really spend as much as you want to. Obviously, the budget is really critical and important. And so knowing what's important and what you really want is something that someone would have to keep in mind when they're building, I believe, because, and that could be like with the cost of the finishes or the materials and the like. So, um, and it can skyrocket super quickly. And I'm sure you saw that happening as you were building. And then that other point of that extra brick, I probably suggest that if you got that extra brick, you probably would still be saying the same thing, perhaps. <laughs> I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of one of those things that, and it comes back down to like, how much, do you really want? Obviously, it's always going to be nicer to be bigger and wider and all the like. But at the end of the day, when you're building, you have to be content with the fact that that's what it is. And there's always going to be things that can be done better or can be done differently. But ultimately, you know, as long as it's fitting your needs, I think that's the main thing there. So, um, but again, two probably big points that will come about when, you know, if someone thinking about building their first home and those mindsets that will probably, those things that will occur during the build, you always feel at the end, regardless of. So you've mentioned as to why you've built in Darwin, obviously. And I guess from an Australian point of view, Darwin is seen as a regional area. So other than that, why did you choose to settle in a regional area as opposed, other than all the, the main facts of family and friends and connections there? Did you consider other regions or was it always just going to be Darwin? I think Darwin is, at the time, definitely was something that I considered, as I said earlier, secure, you know, all of those reasons which you just said, but like I had quite a good job. I had a secure job as well, working for the government. And, you know, COVID was such a turbulent time for so many people and so many people were moving around. The likelihood of things happening and the potential for lockdowns or things like that in other states if I was to build at the same time or or relocate at that same time. 
But for me, one of the biggest benefits of living where I am, like I'm 25, 30 kilometers from my work, and it takes me 25 to 30 minutes to get to work. And that's uh, in rush minute. We don't have rush hour here. We have rush minute. And that's when everyone knocks off work and when everyone's going to work. For one minute, the traffic is a little bit denser. It's not a gridlock or anything. So I think that was definitely one of the, the starting points and an opportunity for me to just establish my career here. What would you say are the benefits of living in a regional area? You've mentioned one there with traffic and having a, a rush minute as opposed to a rush hour. But what, what are the other benefits that you know you recognize or associate with living in a regional area? It's the community. Like where I am, where my house is, having a little bit more space. I've got two gorgeous pups. I've really built the house for them. My dogs. So I've got a, an Australian red Kelpie who is a qualified search and rescue dog. And then I've recently got a golden retriever who has been trained up to be a um, therapy dog. So, you know, having those opportunities to have space for them and to give them a good life because I ended up with my red Kelpie Zuko during COVID unexpectedly. I sort of thought, you know, oh, in a couple of years I'll get a dog. And then someone says, I've got this dog. Do you want it? It's a puppy. It's six weeks old. And I went, oh, yes, I will have that. (laughs) Now, we're towards the end of our conversation, but we wrap up with two questions generally. The first of those, what's your number one tip for a first home buyer trying to get into the market based on your experience? I think the biggest piece of advice that I could give for first homeowners trying to get in or first home buyers would be to really evaluate all of the expenses, looking at everything that you do spend your money on, because you'd be surprised on how much little subscriptions to streaming services and stuff like that can sting you or you know like going out for coffee every morning by the end of the week if you go every day and it's five dollars a day by the end of the fortnight you know you're spending good coin there which can go towards a deposit so it's looking at that 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 would probably be my biggest advice the second question is, is it, I guess, a little bit based on a question that I asked earlier with regards to going back to the beginning of the construction phase, what you do differently. But I guess if we were to take it back to the beginning of the whole process, what's one thing you could have told yourself at the beginning of the whole process that would be knowledge for you then throughout that particular process? So if you would go back and tell yourself something that you know now that you didn't know then, what would it be? I think it's probably just to slow down and think a little bit more because ultimately, it can, by thinking through all of the steps logically, opposed to rushing to answers and replying emails and stuff like that, when I had to backpedal on things like, oh, I wanted everything under the sun, it was time that was spent sourcing all of that quotes and whatnot. And then I went, oh, actually, I can't afford it. Don't worry. So just actually take it slow. You don't need to answer really quick. You don't need to rush into things. You don't need to reply within 35 seconds of an email coming in. They'll They'll get back to you when they can, and you'll get back to them when you can as the building stage. And I guess that that comes with now the confidence of having done that the first time. And so, yeah, that's a really good point, I reckon, in terms of taking your time, not feeling rushed, because you probably are going to have, and you did have external people putting pressure on you for one reason or another, and knowing maybe then you would have rushed a little thing. You could sort of say, well, hold on, what's the next 24 hours going to be? That allowed me to sit there and think about it and come back with, you know, with a decision that I will hopefully not regret later on. Yeah, exactly. Fletcher, thank you so much for your time and for your insights for first home buyers. I think it's great. And I think there's a lot of gold there for our listeners to go through and understand. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on the show. hope you had a great time. Yeah, thank you for that, Michael. Have a good one. 
You've been listening to The Home Run, your guide for buying your first home in Australia. This podcast was produced by Lenstreet. Lenstreet is a mortgage broker and home loan specialist that helps first home buyers find the right loan to meet their needs. We know applying for a loan can be overwhelming and complex, so we help guide and support first home buyers through the process from start to finish. To find out more, head to our website, lenstreet.com.au. We've also put a link in the show notes. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Home Run, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Michael Nasser, and we'll be back next episode covering another step on the journey to owning your first home.